0: Alright, well, good morning. Go ahead and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. We're going to jump right into it this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Finishing up chapter 9 this morning. Verse, uh, verses 24 through 27 is what we'll look at. 1 Corinthians 9, starting with verse 24. Do you not know that in a race all the runners compete... God, we thank you for your word, for how it works in us and produces faith in us. It grows our faith, for how it convicts us, for how you use it to convict us, to teach us. I pray, Lord, that this morning you would do those things. I pray that we would grow in faith. I pray that we would be convicted, Lord. Where we need to be convicted, that you would help us to be people who love you, who embrace the gospel, and who run, run, run in this life after you. That you would be glorified, that we would point to you in everything that we do, we would be displaying you in your greatness, in your grace. God, help us in that, I pray. I pray that your spirit would move and work in our hearts in this time that we're together. I'm so grateful, Lord, that you allow us to do this. I'm grateful that you allow me to read your word publicly and talk about it, God. What a grace. Thank you that we can hear it together and rejoice together. And in response to the gospel, we can sing to you, God, together. We praise you for that. And I pray that by your spirit, you would... Not allow us to let this time go by and not hear from you. Speak to our hearts and grow us for your name's sake. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Well, Paul's just written in the previous verses we talked about last week. In 22 and 23, he says, I've become all things to all people that by all means I might save some. I do it All for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in its blessings. I don't want to get to the end of my life. I don't want to end this life and find out that I didn't really believe the gospel. I knew the gospel, but I didn't believe the gospel. That's kind of what Paul's saying here. That's certainly what I'm saying to you here this morning. I don't want to run this race. I don't want to get to the end and find out I didn't really believe the gospel. I didn't really know the goodness and the greatness. I didn't really embrace the truth of the gospel. That Jesus came and lived a perfect life and died and rose again and it's only through Him and by Him that we can have forgiveness and eternal life. My belief, my belief will always result in doing something. So Paul said. We, we, we looked at that last week. That's what James says. Paul continues on that line in these next verses, and he's pleading with us. He's pleading with himself to make every effort, every effort in the fight of faith. Do you not know, he says, verse 24, do you not know that in a race all the runners compete? He's continuing this thought, Okay. I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in its blessings. What blessings, Paul? The blessings of forgiveness and salvation and being with Jesus forever. I do it all for the sake because I want to share in those blessings. What do you mean? Don't you know, to verse 24, Don't you know that in a race all the runners compete but only one receives the prize? All the runners run but only one wins. Only one gets the prize. Now, we're heading into the summer months. That means the Olympics are coming. I don't know if you watch the Olympics. I enjoy the Olympics. The Olympics are this summer, Summer Olympics. You have all these people that are coming together into one place, and they're coming for one purpose. You have men and women from all around the world, right? They're coming to compete against each other, and they want to win. In fact, they've given their lives to win. They want to win this summer. They've spent their lives preparing for this. They want to stand on the platform. They want to receive the gold medal. When the gun sounds, all of their effort, all of their, uh, everything that they've, they've ever done in their life for this moment, they're going to hopefully put all of that together. And in those few seconds or few moments, they'll be striving with Everything in them to win. Paul says, think about that. Think about those runners. Think about those swimmers. Think about those athletes. Think about how they compete when the gun goes off. What do they do? Think about the athletes, Paul's saying. The the Corinthians would have gotten that too. They, They were very aware of the Olympic Games. Some of them probably traveled to go and see the Olympic Games. They had the Isthmian games that, that took place in Corinth. And, and, and so they were very familiar with this whole mindset of what Paul's saying. This isn't foreign to them. He's saying to them think. Think about the runner. Think about the athlete. Think about how he competes. His whole life aimed at this one thing. And when the gun goes off, think about how he runs. Think about how she runs. Think about how he swims. Think about how she swims. Think about how they compete. They all compete, but only one wins. Only one gets the prize. So Paul says, so run that you may obtain it. Only one gets the prize, so run that you may obtain it. Now, Paul's not at all saying, spiritually speaking, that only one gets eternity. You better go, like... There's been a lot of people alive since Jesus came and only one gets it run. You better run really, really, really hard. He's not saying that he's saying, think for a minute. Just think about the starting line. Think about a race. Think about the gun. Think about the face of the person running in the race. Think about the intensity. Think about all of the effort that has gone into this one moment. For some of the people this summer, their whole lives have been spent on 9 seconds. Everything, okay? Think about the purposefulness. Think about what's going through their minds. Think about their focus. Think about their attention. Think about the winner and how they ran. Think about what they were thinking. Think about what they weren't thinking. Think about the effort that they put in. Think about the culmination of all those things. Run like that. That's what Paul means. Think. Think about a person who's in a race and how they have to put it all together and they have to be so focused and they have to be so determined. They're not not running along posing for pictures they don't care if Sports Illustrated's there. They don't care if ESPN's there. They don't care about the fans at that time. They don't care about the cameras. They're not thinking about the millions of people around the planet that are watching and even cheering for them. They have one thing in mind, the goal. I want to win. And think about the winner and how they run and the focus and how it all comes together. Think about that, Paul says, and run like that you're following jesus you're doing you're going to say with paul i do it all for the sake of the gospel then run like that you think and contemplate what they're thinking and how they're running and what their purpose is and all of those you run like the winner runs you run that way paul says in philippians three thirteen and 14 one thing i do Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Run that way, Paul says. Think and run hard after Jesus. Don't walk, run. What does that look like? What does running look like, spiritually speaking? A couple passages, Galatians 5-7, Paul writes to the Galatians, he says, You were running well. Good. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? So part of running well is believing the truth and obeying the truth. So what is it, Galatians, or what is it, Columbians, Columbiansians? Best I could do. It's not in the notes. (laughs) Gotta stay there. What is it that's hindering you? What is it that has hindered you from obeying the truth? You said, we talked about last week Philippians 2, and this wonderful picture of Jesus came, he gave everything, he bore the wrath of God. He is Lord, and in that, we submit to him as Lord. We're not making him Lord. We're submitting to him as Lord. If we're going to be followers of Jesus, that's what we're saying. Your Lord, what you say goes. What is it in your life running after Jesus that changed that? If you came to Jesus and you said, it's all about you, Lord. I surrender everything to you. I submit to you. What you say goes. I'll do it. What changed? That's what Paul's saying. What changed? What has hindered you from obeying the truth? What what kept you, what, what stopped you from running? Part of running is believing the truth and obeying the truth that is God's word. Hebrews 12, 1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. This is another way that we run, another part of our running. We'll we'll talk about a laying aside, the laying aside the distractions in just a minute. But what does he say here? Run With endurance. Don't give up. Just run, run this race with endurance. Keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going because you're going after God. You're going after Jesus. So run and run and run and run and run and run. And do it looking to Jesus, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Look to Jesus as your example and as your prize. Jesus is our reward. Jesus is what we get at the end. Jesus is our prize. So run as if Jesus is your prize. Run as if Jesus is the reward that you get at the finish line. Run that way, but also run with him as your example. That's what the writer of Hebrews is saying here, looking to Jesus, the founder. He he started you in this race, and he's the perfecter of your faith in this race, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Let Jesus be your example. Look to Jesus and let him be your example. For the joy that was set before him, our joy is Jesus he endured the cross, despising the shame, and is it seated at the right hand of God? Do we have that mind among us that is, that is ours in Christ Jesus? Knowing that the joy is set before us. Are we willing to endure the cross? Have we taken up our cross? Are we despising the shame? Are are we joyfully moving forward towards Christ who is seated at the right hand of the throne of God, knowing that that's our reward to be with him? To be with him. Run like that, Paul says. Verse 25 goes on. Paul says, Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it for a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. So again, Paul's saying, think about the athlete. Think about the Olympians this summer. Think, think okay? Just, just for a moment, not just about what they're going to do during the race or what they do during the race, but think about what they've given up to compete in this race. Some of them are teenagers. Some of them are in their 20s. So you have all of those years of their life that they have continued to say no. To specific things so that they can run in this race. Over and over and over. There's things in their lives they know if they say yes to. It's going to hinder them in Being able to compete in this race. So their entire lives, they've been saying no. Some of them for nine seconds. They're going to run for nine seconds. And the finish line to them was worth years of saying no to whatever would distract them from that. And saying yes to what would help them to compete in the race. Think about that, Paul says. Think about the mindset of the runner. Runners are single-minded. So single-minded that they will willingly give up simple pleasures for the sake of a few moments of glory. They want the prize. Paul says they exercise self-control in all things. Why? For a wreath that will perish understand that picture, right? Back in Corinth in that time, they would get literally a wreath. You've seen images, Olympic Games, stuff like that. Okay, you good? Good. They do all of that for the sake of a wreath that will perish. mean you think through the moment on the podium, we think today, okay, for the Olympics this summer, the, the gold medal, that, that moment on the podium, the feeling of crossing the finish line first, those things are worth more to the athlete than treats, than laziness, than just trivial things. I mean, they, they spend hours, I was looking up articles online this week, just what does training for the Olympics look like? And just hours daily, daily, they're giving up hours for physical training To get ready to run the race. To to whatever event they're doing. Hours daily that they are giving up for this purpose. They're relentless in, in their eating habits. They say no to delicious things. I mean really good things. Why? They want the prize. They want the medal. They want to be the one that finishes First, they want to cross the line first. And so their whole lives, they've said no to so many things that we've said yes to so that they can get the prize. Why? Because it's worth it to them. That's what Paul's saying. Think about their mindset in that. And and just think about how that pertains to self-control. He says, they exercise self-control in all things. Now, this is not a blanket statement. No emails, no cards, okay? I know that some of the people who are in the Olympics this year are Christians, okay? I'm aware. Tell your wife or your husband or someone else, okay? I know that. You know that I know that now. But for the most part... They're exercising that self-control without the Holy Spirit. For the most part, most of them don't have the Holy Spirit... And their whole lives have been self-control. Saying no to what they know will hinder them in the race. Saying yes to what they know, even though it, it demands so much of their time, so much effort, so less time with loved ones and friends and things like that. They say yes to what will get them across the finish line fastest and with the best reward. And they don't have the Holy Spirit. The reason I say that is if, if anyone should shine in self-control, we should outdo them in self-control. Self-control is a fruit, a supernatural fruit of the Holy Spirit. Galatians five. The fruit of the Spirit is love, and joy, and peace, and patience, and kindness, and goodness. And faithfulness and gentleness and what? Self-control. Paul says they're exercising self-control in all things to get a wreath that's going to fade and perish. We have to ask ourselves, why are we not exercising self-control if we're not? What's keeping us from exercising self-control? If we have the Holy Spirit in us, we have to ask ourselves those questions. If we're not exercising self-control, why? It could be that we just don't want to. You might just be honest and say, to be honest, I enjoy participating in unholy things with unholy people. I like it, and I don't want to say no. I don't want to. It it, it may be that that we don't exhibit self-control because we think that our reward isn't as good as their reward. Let's just be honest, okay? They're running for a piece of gold. We're running for Jesus. Jesus. If we're not saying no to unholy things, if we're not saying yes to the things that will help us to run harder and more in, in a more glorifying way. Then do we really see our reward. As as good as their reward. I mean, this is real, right? Their are Literally saying no to those things. They're not just getting together on Sunday and some Olympic uh, strategist is getting them together and saying, we got to say no. No ho-hos, no this, no that, no pies, none of that stuff. We got to say no. Let's go. And then we just all disperse and eat ho-hos and pies and. All of those things. They're literally saying no to get the prize. They're saying yes to get the prize. We have the Holy Spirit what's keeping us from living holy lives and saying yes to the things of God. So maybe it's that we don't have the Holy Spirit. Maybe that's a reason for some of us. Or maybe we just don't understand what it means to believe, to truly believe and be saved. That it's not, as we talked about last week, it's not just praying a prayer and doing whatever we want then because we have fire insurance. It's grace. It's God's grace. God looking at you and looking at me. We're dead Corpses, Ephesians 2 says. We're dead in our trespasses and sins, and we hated Him. Hated Him. We disobeyed Him. We were walking away from Him. And in grace and love, He looked at us and said, I love you. And even while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And God bids us to come to him through Jesus who died for us. And he says to us, come and follow my son and deny yourself and take up your cross and follow him. It's not just meaninglessly praying some prayer and then living our life however we want. We have submitted to Christ. Our treasure is better. Our treasure is better. That's what Paul's saying. They do it for a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So, Paul says, I don't run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. Why? Because I'm running for an imperishable reward, which is Jesus. Because I'm running for Jesus, Paul says, I don't run aimlessly. I don't wander around. I don't just... When the starting gun started, I don't just pause and have conversations with people in the stands. I don't just do whatever I want to do. I'm running hard after Jesus because I know that He's my reward. So I'm running, I'm running, I'm running. I don't run aimlessly. I don't box as one beating the air. Jesus is far better than a perishable wreath. So don't treat it that way i don't treat it otherwise i don't go through life acting like nothing is at stake i don't say that i believe and then live like i don't i run with purpose paul says and i swing with a purpose i make every effort to connect with my all of my punches and all of them are aimed at me at myself that's what paul's saying there Verse 27, I discipline my body and I make it my own. That literally means this. I pummel my body and make it a slave. That's what it literally means. I pummel my body and I make it a slave. When he says, I'm not just swinging at the air. No, no, no. I have a. I have aim, and I'm swinging. I'm swinging at myself. I'm making myself a slave. I'm pummeling my body to say no to the things that I need to say no to and to say yes to the things that I need to say yes to for the glory of God because I do it all for the sake of the gospel. So I don't run aimlessly. I don't box as one beating the air. I discipline my body, and I keep it under control. We're running for an imperishable prize. Because of what I'm running for, I do whatever it takes, Paul says. He says in Philippians 1.20, It's my eager expectation and hope that I will not at all be ashamed, but that with full courage now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death that Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. I'm beating my body into submission. I'm making it a slave. In Luke 13:24, Jesus says, "Strive, strive to enter through the narrow door." He says in John 6:27, "Do not labor for the food that perishes, but labor for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you." First Corinthians 15:58, Paul says, "Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain." Titus 2.14, Jesus Christ gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Strive and labor and be zealous for Jesus. Run that way, Paul's saying. Run, 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 because the prize is Jesus let me make it clear again. I say this often because I don't want to be misheard. But Paul is not saying, and I am not saying, that we are saved by good works or we are saved by how we run. We're not saying that. But we are saved. We're saved. And, and what Hebrews nine fourteen says is we're saved from dead works. We're saved. So those two things should launch us into glad and disciplined laboring for the glory of Jesus Christ. It's not that I'm working to be given this reward. I'm working to prove that this grace has been worked in me. And the good news is that it's, if we are in Christ, it's God doing it in us. It's not us. Paul says in 1 Corinthians fifteen ten. but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them. Though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. I labored, I worked, I worked harder than any of them for the glory of God. But it wasn't me. It's grace. It's the grace of God working in me and through me. It's God's grace that's with me. So labor. In in Hebrews 12, again, what we looked at, where it says that Jesus is the founder and perfecter of our faith. Jesus is the one that initiated it in us, and he's the one that's going to continue it and perfect it in us until we cross the finish line. So run and labor and strive because it's him working in us. It's not us. And it's his glory that is that's going to be seen. Philippians 2, 12 and 13. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So work it out. Strive and labor and run as hard as you possibly can. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Why? Because it's God who's working in you. So strive to glorify him, strive to point to him, strive to show how faithful he is in the life of a person he saved. Strive for that. Run hard after that, Paul says. What is it, what is it that's keeping me from running well? Ask yourself that question. What's keeping me from running well? It's a pride then be relentless in killing pride in your life. To anger, be relentless. To put off anger and to put on kindness. And Is it not treasuring Jesus? Then stare at Him. Pick up His Word and just gaze at Him. and Read the Gospel and stare at Him and stare at Him and stare at Him through the Word because when you see Him, you will treasure Him. Is it television? Is it money? Is it games? Is it kids? Be relentless. Discipline your body and make it a slave. That's what Paul says in in chapter 6 of 1 Corinthians. You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Whatever you do, how you run, the things that you say yes to, the things that you say no to... Say no for the glory of God and say yes for the glory of God. Do the things that will glorify Him and don't do the things that won't glorify Him. Run, run, run. It matters. Matters. We have to replace the distractions that are keeping us from running well with God's Word and with prayer and with obedience. And here's why it matters. He tells us in the passage in 1 Corinthians 9, verse 27, I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others I myself should be disqualified. I comforted myself for a long time that that word disqualified it just means rewards. He says earlier in the book, right, in the letter, he says, Some will build with. Uh, wood and hay and straw and that'll all be burned up and some will build with gold and silver and precious stone and that'll last. Well, that's, you know, the disqualified, that's wood and hay and straw. It's just going to be burned up. And, and even younger uh, in, my, in my life, I would, I would think things and even say, like even if I can just get to heaven by the skin of my teeth, if you know, I just barely get there, I'll be just so happy and thankful to get there. That's not what Paul's saying here. That's not what disqualified means. The word for disqualified in the Greek is used other times in the New Testament. Let's look and see how it's used, okay? Let's just look and see what Paul means when he uses this word, disqualified. In 2 Corinthians 13.5, Paul writes, examine yourselves to see whether you're in the faith. Test yourselves, or do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless, indeed, you fail to meet the test. Same word, test. In Romans one twenty-eight, Paul writes to the Romans, And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. Debased, disqualified. Same word. Titus one sixteen, Paul writes to Titus, he says, They profess to know God, but they deny him by their works. They are detestable, disobedient, unfit for any good work. Unfit? Disqualified. Paul's not Paul's not saying this is just a kind of, sort of, important thing here, just run, run the best that you possibly can, and, and just see what happens, and hopefully you'll make it there by the skin of your teeth, no, 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 Paul says, I'm running with everything I possibly have inside of me, I'm saying no to what I have to say no to, and I'm saying yes to what I have to say yes to, so that God is glorified, and when I finish my life, I don't find out that I didn't really believe, I mean, this is certainly who Jesus is referring to, some of the people that Jesus is referring to in Matthew 7. Jesus says in Matthew 7, starting with verse 24 or 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. I have two things in this passage that are so important. First, verse 23, Jesus declares to them, they don't get the kingdom of God. Depart from me. Why? Because I never knew you. But before that, in verse 21, he says, Some will not enter the kingdom of heaven, even some who cry out, Lord, Lord, but only those who do do the will of my Father who is in heaven. Now, how do we reconcile those two things? It's this. It's exactly what Paul is saying. It's exactly what James says in James chapter 2. Those who know Jesus will do what the Father wills them to do. They'll obey. When we submit to Jesus, that's what we're saying. We'll do what you want us to do. We'll follow you because you are now our reward. You are our treasure and you're greater than any treasure that we've ever set our eyes or our thoughts upon on this earth. So we want to live for you. We want to follow you and you have put your spirit inside of us. And if, if we walk by your spirit, we won't gratify the desires of the flesh. We'll live for you and we'll run hard after you. And we'll say yes to the things of you and we'll say no to the things that are going to distract us from running after you. Does that mean we won't sin for the rest of our life? No, it doesn't mean that at all. But when we do sin, we have His spirit in us. And so we get back up and we keep running and we confess our sins and we repent and turn to him. It matters. It matters. Now you may hear that and you may respond a number of ways. You may respond. I didn't think we could lose our salvation. You can't. Jesus is talking about people who never were saved. That's what he says. I never knew you. We never had a relationship. You never believed in me. You may have associated yourself with me. But you didn't believe. We didn't have a relationship. I never Never knew you. You may respond, but God is a God of grace. Isn't God gracious? Isn't God a God of grace? Exactly. Exactly. And if you've experienced that grace, the grace of a God who has every right in his wrath to consume us now for that God to look at us dead in our trespasses and sins and say I love you I've put my love on you I forgive you because Jesus my son took my wrath for you on himself if we've experienced that grace how can we not run Our running is an evidence of the grace. Our running is a response to the grace. Our running is a, a just a, a looking and a worship of Jesus saying, I can't believe that you would do this for me. I can't believe that you would take my sins. God, I can't believe that you would allow me to be reconciled to you through your son. I'm running. I'm running. I'm running because I want you. I want to be with you. I want to, I, I'm grateful for this grace that you have bestowed on me. I'm running after you, Lord. And so I'll say no by your spirit. I'll say no. And by your power, I'll say no to the things that I must say no to. And I'll say yes to the things that will launch me into better running. You guys, a sovereign and powerful God holds us in the palm of his hand. Jesus says in, in, in uh, the Gospel of John, no one can snatch you out of my Father's hand. No one can take you from my Father. He holds you. Run. Run. What are we afraid of? What do we fear? He's holding us in His hands. Run. Jude, in his letter in verses 24 and 25, says, Now to the God, now to Him who is able to keep you from stumbling and present you in His presence blameless." blameless he's holding you and he's keeping you so run what are we fearing that's why jesus said to his disciples don't fear those who can kill your body fear the one who after your body is dead can cast your soul into hell fear him and know that he holds you in the palm of his hand so run like crazy nothing can happen to you outside of his will What are you afraid of? What am I afraid of? Let's run for his glory and be able to say with Paul, I do it all for the sake of the gospel. That I may share with them in its blessings, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. John Piper says this, our running and our fighting with all its pain is proof That the Christ who ran his race and fought his fight and endured his cross for the joy set before him is alive and real in our hearts. Let me pray. Father, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your grace, God. You are gracious and merciful, abounding in love. I pray for every single one of us here, God, no matter where we're at in our understanding, or walk. God, would, would you help us by your spirit? Would you help us to taste and see that you are good? Would you help us to believe the gospel and even what we know of the gospel and trust you to know that it is far better and deeper and wider than we could ever comprehend? because you are trustworthy and because you have promised us that when we finish the race, we will be with you because of what Jesus has done, our, the, the beginner, the author, and the finisher of our faith. Would you help us to believe, God? Or would you help us to see Jesus as the greatest treasure that he is? Would you help us, Lord, to evaluate our own lives, God? Would you help us to look deeply into our hearts? Would you help us to look even just on the outward things that are so easy to see, Lord, the things that we continue to say yes to that are becoming obstacles and hurdles in our path, that are keeping us from sweet fellowship with you, Lord, keeping us from running hard after you? Would you help us? Would you reveal those things to us? And by your spirit, would you give us the faith, God, to confess and know that there's forgiveness in you and to repent and turn and run hard after you? The times of refreshing would come from the presence of the Lord. Would you help us to run hard after you, God? Lord, I confess to you, I am ashamed I'm ashamed as I look at at people who don't even have your spirit and who are saying no to things because they, they have a reward in front of them. They're saying yes to a disciplined life because they have a reward in front of them. Jesus, you're so much greater, Lord. You're worth it. And God, I want to live a life like Paul that says, I do it all, I do it all for the sake of you, God. Would you help us to be those people? Would you help us to be people who repent, who embrace the gospel, who live for you, for your glory, who walk in newness of life, who put off the old and put on the new. And would you be glorified through us? Would you help us to be people who would truthfully from our hearts say with Paul, we've become all things to all people, that by all means we might save some, we do it all for the sake of the gospel. We might share with them in it's, blessings. We want you to be glorified, God. Help us to deny ourselves and to take up our cross and to follow you. In Christ's name, amen.